Hello, Sports Blog New York podcast listeners. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. And I need to give you all a very special thank you for tuning in, as you guys do throughout each and every week. Whether it be the good old SBNY podcast or the new NBA Outsiders podcast, we appreciate your support and your engagement with the show. Though we would always love more, we appreciate every person who takes time out of their day to listen and hopefully enjoy what we talk about. Now when I check the listens on this podcast, it's real easy for me to see a number that doesn't live up to the numbers of a big and bad podcast, or even the most average of podcasts. In fact, the number is quite small in the grand scheme of things. But if I could look down and see that even a hundred people in a week cared enough to listen to what I and the other members of the Sports Blog New York podcast or the NBA Outsiders have to say, that means the world to me and to each and every one of them, I can guarantee it. So if you are a listener of the show, and you do appreciate what we do deliver week to week, a fantastic thing you can do that can not only help us as a podcast grow, but can also help us connect with you to create an even better show. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, and even better, when you get to the iTunes or Apple Podcast app, leave a little rating and a review, because that would mean the world to us, because we appreciate what you have to say, first off, and if you like the show, even better. But what makes us give the best show is connecting with you guys and needing to know what you want to hear. We want to give the people what they want on the Sports Blog New York podcast. So by leaving a rating and review, you can suggest something you want to hear more of, or maybe you're kind of tired of hearing about the same old stuff. So if you have something you want to say, whether it be a take on an issue, we'll verbalize it for you. We'll give you a voice. We want you to be a part of the Sports Blog New York podcast. And a big way to do that is by interacting with us via the subscribe rating and reviewing. Because in the little podcast world that exists on iTunes and all this other stuff, Google Play, SoundCloud, and all this, there's some weird metrics that go into everything on how stuff gets seen. And what we want nothing more than is to have you all who listen since the start or who listen now, or maybe this is your first ever episode, is to be a part of this from now. So hopefully we can look back in a year, two years, three years, who knows? Slow and steady, right? But if we can look back and say, those OG listeners, whether it was 20 of them, 50 of them, 100 of them, whatever it is, 200, we have our biggest podcast come out uh, a couple weeks back, interview with a guy named by Khalil McDonald, hit over 300 plays, still counting. That means so much. So if we can look back on one of these moments and say, those listeners were there, OGs, and now look at what we have accomplished or what we have become, what we have grown to be, that excites me. And I hope that it excites you guys as well. Because if you appreciate the show, that means a lot to me as well. As you know, Peter Kennedy here. I host pretty much all of the Sports Blog New York podcasts, joined by guys like Phil DeMeo, Frank Villani, who's going to join us later on today to talk about the Knicks, because the Knicks are fun, and that's awesome for us as well. John Lucas Dovey, Justin Babb, Alec Argento, Joe Staubach, Joe Calabrese, Mike Palmazano, all these guys come on because we love to talk sports. We love to talk about New York sports, and especially when our teams are fun and we don't have to be hating. Unfortunately, we will be doing a little bit of hating today because I got some tweets I'm going to pull up about Ben McAdoo. But before we get to all that stuff, I just want to say thank you again for listening. So that's enough of me ranting about how much we want to interact with you. We want you guys to be a part of the show in any way possible, whether it be via Twitter at SportBlogNYC, at NBA underscore Outsiders, my personal at Pete Kennedy with two Ys. Uh, it just means a lot to us, and it makes the show more fun. It makes the show a lot more fun when I can come on and give somebody shout-out to their take they made on Twitter or maybe bash them a little bit depending on what we see. It makes it more fun for me, for you, for everybody involved. So take take a few moments out of your day. If you're already listening now, y- you might like it already. So just tell us what you think. It means the world to us. But that's enough about that. So this is Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, as you just heard. Uh... Later on in the show, Frank Villani is going to join us again to talk Knicks. But for the first portion of the show, we need to talk about the New York football giants, a little bit about the Jets, and about the NFL as a whole. I have one comparison that I'm going to bring up in just a moment. And I see it 
today is a perfect day to bring it up, actually, because I saw it yesterday on the field where a team in the New Orleans Saints proved that they're no joke again, beating a tough Buffalo Bills team who may be tripping up as of late, but they have been a tough team all year, and the Saints marched in to Buffalo, knocked them right out. So I have a comparison, a little theory, comparing the New Orleans Saints to our semi-beloved New York Giants, I'll say. Uh, So we're going to get to that in a moment. But first off, the New York Giants may have just squandered their last opportunity to win a football game in 2017-2018. I mean, Ben McAdoo and these football Giants march into the defeated San Francisco 49ers and couldn't compete. Though maybe the score was pretty close for the first half, second half, it wasn't close at the end. And there wasn't a real point in that game in the second half where you said, okay, the Giants got this. Even though Eli Manning somehow, when he makes it to the red zone, seems to find a way to score a touchdown. It's just they seem to so infrequently make it to the red zone. That's their real problem. But Ben McAdoo is the top of the conversation. It is the seat that is most hot. And it is going to be a rough week for this man. I'm not familiar with Ben McAdoo's media appearances, but if he has any... uh, radio shows he's got to talk to, or any specific journalist this week, which I know he has press conferences and whatnot, they're going to be tough. They're going to start asking him, are you worried for your job? Are you worried for your quarterback's job? Are you worried for your GM's job? These are three things that Giants fans typically, past 10 years, haven't been too worried about. There hasn't been many moments in the last decade where the Giants are saying, What are we going to do? What's our plan moving forward? Are we getting rid of the coach, the GM? I mean, it happened, and it pops up here and there. But this is a moment where it's big, where you go on Twitter during the Giants game, and Ben McAdoo's head's getting called for. You can't help it. You can't unsee it. It's all over the place, and it's only going to heat up after a loss to the San Francisco 49ers. So I mentioned earlier, they may have squandered their last chance to win a game in 2017-18. And that is because after the San Francisco 49ers, after the loss this week, the Giants play the Chiefs, Redskins, Raiders, Cowboys, Eagles, Cardinals, and then Redskins again. Now you look at those names. I said Chiefs, Redskins twice, Derek Carr and the Raiders who need something. The Cowboys, they lost, but they're still better than the Giants. The Eagles might be the best team in the league, and the Cardinals are sneakily a 500 football team right now. Where's the win coming for Ben McAdoo? Where's that one game going to show up where we go, okay, Ben, you just won us a game. Even if that does happen, fans are still not going to be happy because now they're just going to say, all you did was ruin a pick. You just ruined the first-round pick anywhere, Ben. What are you doing? Get out of here. I mean, if you don't believe me, which I don't know if that's really a disputable point, worrying about Ben McAdoo's hot seat right now. If you don't believe me, you can look on sportsblognewyork.com, the home to this podcast, where we wrote an article last week, a man named by the name of Leslie Montiero. He goes by at MongoGoesInsane on Twitter. He's a real interesting Twitter follow, actually. Gets in a lot of riffs with people on Twitter. Has no problem backing up his points. And he honestly takes it on. If he sees somebody disagreeing with his article on Twitter, he goes at him because he has his facts straight. He has his ideas set out, and he's ready to go. So four days ago, or five days ago now, since it's uh, Monday by the time you're listening to this podcast, Leslie wrote an article titled, Why is Ben McAdoo Still the Giants Head Coach? And I remember reading it, getting it set up on the site, and I was like, wow, Leslie, you're being a little aggressive, I think. I I know we all want Ben McAdoo out, but you're just calling for his job right now. You need him out right now. Can't we just wait for the end of the season? But I continued on and read his reasoning, and I I heard what Leslie had to say. Again, that's at MongoGoesInsane on Twitter. I read what he had to say, and I said, you know what? Why can't this be like pulling a Band-Aid off? This is an ugly team. This is ugly right now. A lot of people want to jump down the throats of the players, coaches, and etc. for not trying hard, for giving up. I saw a couple tweets today. The Giants officially stopped trying to tackle. 
and it looked like it when you watched. But now what do the Giants need? Right? As I read Leslie's piece, that's what I thought. What do the Giants need from right now to the end of this season? Because you don't want guys giving up. Right? That's not a culture you want to create. Yeah, you can say maybe Landon Collins, take, don't take the big hit. Don't go for the big hit. We need you to be healthy, right? You can say that. But stopping to try, that can create a culture problem that we've seen across sports in these quote-unquote tanking situations. New York Knicks, prime example A, which we're going to get into later. Last season, they didn't look like a team that tried. They were just feeding Melo when he was on the court, trying to compete a little bit on offense, not at all on defense, and they didn't build a culture. It was a mess. This year, no star power outside of KP, a lot of defensive effort, a lot of extra passing, and hey, they may still not be a playoff team, though they've been hot. But you can tell when you watch them that they want to win. That's the culture you need moving forward with these guys. So that's why I come back to the Giants. What do the New York Giants need right now till the end of this season? That is not giving up. It is continuing to have the, quote, Giants culture, the Giants way. You still need to play hard. You still need to practice like you're in it. You still need to keep these young guys growing. You know, Eli Apple has been a struggle point for the Giants defense a lot this year. But now you keep throwing him out there. Let him keep learning. Let him keep competing. That's how he'll get better. If he can try to make those big plays that may have not, uh, they may not mean anything to this season, but can mean a lot to his career and development and confidence that can carry over. But another thing that the Giants need from now until the end of the season is to not really win games. And with this schedule coming up that I mentioned before, with teams like the Chiefs and Raiders and Eagles and Redskins twice, there's a good chance they won't be winning games. So they can still play decent football, compete, let the young guys who are still on the field be healthy and play and try to get better, and catch those L's for the draft pick, which all the fans want, right? So what now is better for that type of situation? For the situation where you don't want to give up, players are playing for pride, and for next season. What encompasses all of that perfectly? when you start at the top and chop off your head coach. And now I hate to talk like that when we're talking about a man's job, a man's you know, way of making a living. It's tough to say it for another human being, but when you look at the situation, what typically happens when a head coach gets fired midseason? There's a few, few routes, right? They either kind of continue on the same path, don't really get better, don't really get worse, and it is what it is. Or... As we saw in Phoenix after uh, the two-game stint of Earl Watson as the head coach this season, the team comes out firing the next week. The team comes out ready to prove that they belong in this organization and on this roster. Because when there's a new regime at the top, the players who were there from the old regime, they get a little nervous. That guy who's comfortable, maybe in the second year of his four-year contract, saying, ah, I'm going to be here next year anyway. He says, wow, maybe I won't be here next year anyway because Ben McAdoo was my guy, and he's gone. If I don't compete now, I may not be here to compete next year. Now, there's no scientific reasoning behind this. I didn't do the statistics on what happens when there's an interim head coach or when a coach gets fired midseason because it's not a good look, right? The Giants are going to be in the news all week for all the wrong reasons, for all the reasons we've had the Jets in the news in the past, or you uh, you know equate them to. So if they fire Ben, is it a bad look for an organization? Maybe. A year and a half and he's done? That doesn't go over too well amongst, you know, future coaches and how they feel about if the uh, GMs have their back or not. So it's a tough call, right? But I sincerely think if those two things that I mentioned before having people still play hard and competing, and also not winning games, trying to find that balance of not losing culture, but also not hurting your draft pick, that might be best suited for an interim head coach. It might be best suited for uh, the kick on the ass of the players who are a little bit too comfortable 
right now. The ones who you are were, uh, blaming for not wanting to tackle. So I don't know. That's just me, guys. But like I said in the open, I need to hear from you guys. Do you think it's time for the chop, chop, chop? See you later, Ben McAdoo? Or should the New York Giants wait for the end of the season, let this bad season play out, and then start from scratch next year? Hit me up on my Twitter, at P. Kennedy. That's two Y's on the end. Or at SportBlogNYC. That's the whole blog, SportBlogNewYork.com's Twitter account, which you probably all follow, I assume. Hit us up. Give us your thoughts. This is what I'm talking about with making the show more fun, making it more enjoyable for everyone, more interactive. Hit me with your thoughts on why you think Ben should just be gone or why, say, all right, just let him finish the season. Or God forbid, maybe you think he should be here next year. That's up to you. But you need to let me know, at P. Kennedy, two Ys. I actually had a few interactions on Twitter earlier before recording this episode of the podcast. I sent out a little tweet asking for the best Ben McAdoo takes, and one reply I got is from a guy named Anthony Piscienti. Oh, Piscentino. That was, that was pretty rough from a fellow Italian. I sincerely apologize. But he said, absolutely shouldn't be. My reasoning? I'm an Eagles fan, and I'm just grateful for him helping implode this team. He said, long live Dan Snyder and long live Ben McAdoo. So clearly this Eagles fan is just high on his horse because he's really good right now and we're not. But he came back after I said, you know what, Anthony, I picked the Eagles to win the division, so I don't hate you right now, but damn, it's tough being a Giants fan. So he said, honestly, I feel like New York Giants Philly is the best rivalry in the division. It's always the game his dad and he go to together and... I appreciate that, Anthony. So you are an Eagles fan, and you Eagles fan get a bad rap. Maybe rightfully so, maybe not. I'm not going to go there. But thank you for appreciating a good rivalry, even though some would say one team has Super Bowl championships and the other one's waiting for number one. Slightly shade? Yeah, slightly shady, but that's okay. You deserve it. You guys didn't win anything yet, though I love the Eagles, and I love Carson Wentz. So if you've listened to this podcast before, you might know that. But shout out Anthony for interacting with the show. Next was Lou Como. That's at Lou Como. He said, just thinking that we pretty much have the same roster from last year. We went 11-5, and five, lost some players, gained some new players. But the whole team is banged up. There's no reason for this team to have just one win. Lou, I feel you. Now, doesn't that have to be one of the main reasons of why we want Ben McAdoo gone? Because even in the worst-case scenario... I don't think anyone imagined the Giants had one win after this many weeks. I mean, it's almost hard to not win games with some of the talent that the Giants have. And yeah, they have injuries. Yeah, it's been frustrating. Yeah, they got off to a really rough start. But one win's pathetic. And they just lost to a defeated San Francisco 49ers. Stabbed the knife in the heart. And someone else named uh, Charlie C. Hustle. Don't know him. He said, call me up, bro, and left his number. Charlie, I'm not going to call you, but if you're listening to me say I'm not going to call you right now, then you can hit me up again because maybe a real listener who wants to express his feelings, who wants to get his thoughts out, get his take out into the world, I respect that. And if you actually want me to call you, then maybe we'll have to talk off air. But if you're giving me some spam shit and this is not real, then I just got got and I'm getting catfished as we speak. But that's what I got on Twitter so far. There's some more takes that maybe I'll pull out later when I get Frank Villani on the phone to talk about the Knicks because I know he might have a thought or two on Ben McAdoo as a fellow Giants fan. Uh, but there's some more Twitter, Twitter interactions we got on the SportBlog Twitter, at SportBlogNYC, that we can bring up maybe later. Or maybe we won't. We'll figure it out. This is the SportsBlog New York podcast, though. My name is Peter Kennedy. I'm your host. Hopefully you're enjoying today's episode. It's me solo tonight. Well, solo for now, because Frank Vellani will be joining me in just a moment. But I know he's been locked in on this NBA season, and especially this next season, which we're going to be talking mostly about. But before we get to Frank, I do have one more thing I want to bring up, and that was what I mentioned in the open regarding a comparison between the New Orleans Saints, Drew Brees, and the New York Football Giants without Tom Coughlin, with Eli Manning, but now with Ben McAdoo. Because there's this little comparison here where they were at a very similar point and then went on different trajectories, and they have now officially flopped places in just a year. 
So let's think back to when the Saints won the Super Bowl. It was actually, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it was in between the Giants' first Super Bowl victory and the Giants' most recent Super Bowl victory. So it actually aligns pretty nicely. The New Orleans Saints were a team with a high-powered offense, a capable defense at the time, a star quarterback, and a star head coach. Kind of like the Giants. Star head coach in Tom Coughlin at the time, star quarterback at the time in Eli Manning, and a good organization to back him. Coming off Super Bowl victories, where are they going to go next? How are they going to sustain? Well, they both went on a path. One of them continued on that path. The other one flipped and had differing results. So to give a quick recap of what we know better right now as being the Sports Blog New York podcast, the New York Giants, they had Tom Coughlin just two years ago, right? We reached that point. Maybe we need a new voice. Maybe we need this. Maybe Tom has let the game pass him by. Is Eli Manning still good? Yes, of course he's still good. We need a new offense, a new this, a new that, and we'll be fine. And it really looked like it was going to work. The Giants cut ties with Tom Coughlin. He's now in Jacksonville, which is another story. But they bring in offensive coordinator to be the head coach, Ben McAdoo. In year one, the offense struggled, which is his bread and butter. Maybe that should have been a little telling. But besides the point, because they went 11-5 and and had an easy berth into the playoffs. And everyone thought it was great. Everyone thought the Giants were on the path for another Super Bowl appearance this season. But after this last segment, we know that ain't close. We know now that Ben McAdoo's seat is so hot, we might not be hearing from him in two weeks. They've done a complete flip in one year. They went from tenured veterans in the league with Coughlin and Manning, guys who we've seen succeed more than once, have a good working relationship, and a culture that you couldn't question if it was there, but you can question if it was the right culture. Nonetheless, a culture with Tom Coughlin and Manning and the Maras, and we were used to it, accustomed to it, and knew that at any moment, maybe it'll flip in the right direction. But that's now besides the point for the Giants, because they decided, nope, it's time for a new voice. Ben McAdoo, here are the keys. Let's see what you can do. It went very well for a year, and now we're here. One and nine. It's not very good, huh? It's not very fun for the New York Giants. But now it's time to flip over to the New Orleans Saints, who, in a lesser fashion, only won one Super Bowl. Oh, poor Saints. Not poor Saints. That's fantastic. That's a huge moment for New Orleans football history, including LSU and all that. Huge moment after the hurricane, and Drew Brees is a legend there, and he's a star, and he's been this electric quarterback the past couple years who can't stop putting up yards. He can't stop throwing touchdowns. But their defense couldn't stop a soul. And the Saints have labored to average seasons, to slightly below average seasons, to maybe an occasional playoff berth. But since that last Super Bowl, they're not the powerhouse that we thought they were. They've been befuddled with 8 and 8s or 7 and 9s or 9 and 7s, and that's really where they've been living. And last year, we didn't think it was a great year for them. And who expected this? Now, through 10 weeks in the season, the New Orleans Saints are 7 and 2. Look like they can't be stopped on a win streak. And what is their bread and butter? Their defense. How did that happen? <laughs> I mean, for real. If you think about the New Orleans Saints and me and Kevin Law, who was on last week's episode on Monday, talked about the Saints. He actually picked them as one of his top four teams in the entire league. They now have the Drew Brees that they've had for the past couple years, who's still way above average. And now they have a defense who can slow people down, create turnovers, and stop people sometimes. That could be scary, no? especially when you think about the New Orleans Saints really not even hitting their full stride offensively. I mean, they look damn good against the Bills. They put up uh, a whole lot of points. I'm pulling up the exact number because I kind of forget. It, it, 47, right? 47 to 10. So to draw this parallel with the New Orleans Saints and the New York Giants, I'm curious if Giants fans are now feeling a little bit regretful 
for being so happy that they let Tom Coughlin go. Or not for being so happy, but for being encouraged by it. Because what I remember from when Tom Coughlin finally left the New York Giants or got fired or however it went down, I think people were ready for the new voice. I think we were worn out by Tom. And his two minutes late or five minutes late or five minutes early is, is still late. I don't, whatever he did with his time and his regimenting, we were worn out by it. But now do we look back and say, maybe he was what we needed the whole time? Maybe he was a voice that could have continued to get the best out of his players? And it was just a rough patch? Who's to say they wouldn't have been 11-5 and without Ben McAdoo as head coach and still with Tom Coughlin? Allowing Ben to do the offensive stuff that he was always good at. So my question is, Giants fans, do you look at the New Orleans Saints and have a little bit of jealousy looking at their quote-unquote past his prime quarterback because it's tough to say Drew Brees is too far past even though he clearly is past the prime. He's still very good. But is there jealousy from Giants fans seeing the Sean Payton, Drew Brees regime continue to be strong and in fact look as strong as they've looked since their last Super Bowl? It's interesting. I mean, it's not a super direct correlation here. But I totally see those two figures on each side as really like statues of the organization. They were the pillars of which the the organization was built on for a decade plus. Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning were the Giants. Sean Payton and Drew Brees are the Saints. Now where we sit with Ben McAdoo's seat on fire... Are we wishing that Ben Ben McAdoo never became coach in the first place? Are we wishing that Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning were still together? And does it hurt even just a little more knowing that Jaguar, that the Jacksonville Jaguars, not just Jaguar, are actually a good team now? And they look like they have a culture. They suspend Leonard Fournette, something that we can be familiar of. With Tom Coughlin and his quirks of how strict he runs certain things within an organization. That's what they have now in Jacksonville, and it looks like it's doing something. Now, granted, Tom is not the head coach, and he's more of just a culture setter, uh, decisions maker when it comes to operations and personnel and whatnot. Jacksonville looks good. New Orleans looks great under the Sean Payton, Drew Brees regime. And the Giants look like they need to mash the restart button with Ben McAdoo, Eli Manning, and even Jerry Reese. So this is the SBNY Podcast, Sports Blog New York Podcast, if you will. My name's Peter Kennedy. In just a moment, I'm going to bring in my man, Frank Villani, to talk about the Knicks. But last, I just want to mention again, like I mentioned in the very beginning today, please, if you like this show, if you like what you've been hearing, don't forget to go to iTunes, an Apple Podcast app, and leave a rating and review. It means the world to us. It helps us create a better show for you, for us, for engagement, for better topics, for everything. So if you're interested, if you like the show, if you like us, feel free to leave a rating review. It means a lot to us, and we'd greatly appreciate it. But I think it's time to move on to a more fun New York sports conversation. Let me bring in my man, Frank Villani. How we doing? I'm good, man. How we doing, Petey? I'm glad to have you here. I just did about maybe 30 minutes on Ben McAdoo and the Giants stinking and how the Saints had this tandem of Drew Brees and Sean Payton. The Giants had Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning. We thought chopping off Coughlin and bringing in McAdoo was a great move last year, but it looks like it's over, Frank, no? Yeah, man. I mean, I told you earlier today I've been out for a little while on football in general, but usually, you know, I stick with my Giants, but like after... After Odell broke his ankle this year and all these suspensions and, like, he's talking like he, d- he didn't lose the locker room and then that press conference where he doesn't have an answer, I just, I've just been having my doubts about him for a while now and I can't blame anybody else for feeling the same way, man. So, yeah, I mean, Tom Coughlin is thriving, right? Jacksonville is in first place in their, their division right now. So, you know, he clearly still had some football left. I think we might have cut the cord a little early. 
But, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll get the next Sean McVay or something. Right, right. And that, that's a good way to look at it, I guess. And It is also easy to sit here in hindsight that year two of McAdoo was a train wreck. But last year we're looking at this team moving forward saying, all right, let's go win. Let's go win right now. Everyone thought the Giants were a contender. Clearly, one win's pathetic. So it's tough to go back in hindsight and be a nitpicker like that. But maybe we should have been a little bit more forewarned because the Giants' offense last year was bad. Like, they weren't that good on offense last year, and we expected them to get better for no reason. And maybe we got a little too hyped up on ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I think once he became the head man, he just, like, he lost his ambition on offense, like, Everything became so dinky-dunky and so predictable. Like, everybody's booing first-down runs because that's all we ever do. You know, stuff like that. So he just, I don't know, I guess lost his edge when he became a head coach. He was too conservative, rather. So I I really don't know. Uh, I'll be happy for the next chapter if and when it comes, though. I'll tell you that. That's it, man. And it may be coming sooner than we think. But, hey, that is by far enough about the misery That is the New York Giants. I mean, really. I just did 30 minutes alone, solo. I've been waiting for you, man. I've been waiting for some Knicks talk. The Knicks are fun right now, dude. Like, give me your just quick reaction. What is it like for you watching the Knicks right now? So, I mean, every game starts the same way. I got to rush to get my stream up because my computer is a piece of crap. But, like, once I do, I usually miss tip. It's like two to two. I'm like, what I miss? What I miss? And, like, while I'm trying to find my recap, I just, you know, I hear Mike Breen or uh, Clyde going off because Chris Sapp just caught, like, a lob at the top of the box on the backboard. Like, he just, he starts games off, like, the same way every game, it seems. He just has a big dunk, gets everybody into it. It's super fun to watch. Um, We were on this pod, you know, a while ago after the Carmelo Anthony trade. And we were talking about, you know, how we felt about Enos Cantor and Doug McDermott. And I said I think Enos Cantor was going to be a pretty good Nick. Enos Cantor has been a good Nick, not just pretty good. He's been really good for us. He's been one of our better rebounders, especially on the offensive glass. He's a monster. And uh, I think, you know, with some assistance from Joe Kim Noah, who's apparently been coaching all the big men up on defense, um, he's taking some strides finally on the defensive end. So I'd say those are two things that are sticking out to me. So far, um, besides that, I'd say that the one game we came back, I think it might have been against the Hornets where Frankie Nilakina hit those two big threes. Oh, hell yeah. And uh, I remember texting you. I was just getting all up and hyped about it, like, Frankie, Frankie smokes, baby. Like, uh, the kid's got an immense potential, I think. He's got a cool game. Um, I'm just super excited. Like you said, it's fun to watch. It's, they have, like, a culture. They have an attitude. They're not just like this pushover team anymore, and it's really fun to see. I haven't seen it in a little while. It has absolutely been fun to watch. And you mentioned Frank Nielakina, a.k.a. Frankie Smokes, a.k.a. Frankie Nicotine. Uh, there were some comments that indirectly take a shot at my man Frankie, and I don't appreciate that. And I don't appreciate anybody taking shots at him, but I'm sure you don't either. And those comments were none other made by LeBron James. So LeBron James said something about a different NBA rookie there. We'll get to in a moment, but we're not there yet. We're not on this negative train yet. We need to stay on the hype train. So you mentioned Enos Cantor, uh, and just to give you some thoughts here, he already, he's already had five double-digit rebound games, and that includes a 18-rebound game, and a game where he had 16 points, 15 rebounds. I mean, he's getting at least six every night. That's his, low, his lowest performance, and he's had a, a bunch of double-doubles already. He... Always had an offensive game. And what did he say, Frank? You and I said exactly this. He's not good defensively. He cares more about offensive rebounding, it seems, than defensive rebounding. He's proving that he cares about defense. He's proving that he cares about rebounding on defense and even moving the ball. So that's one thing I was a little nervous about coming into the season. With Kristaps getting more double teams, with him wanting to be the man, with Cantor being an offensive guy, Hardaway wanting to get his shots, how's the ball movement going to be, right? And I think guys like Courtney Lee, McDermott, Frankie Nicotine, uh, also Jarrett Jack, who I know you've been an appreciator of his presence, these are the guys who are now making the ball move, making KP's scoring life easier, making Hardaway get open shots, and, and, and et cetera, and et cetera. 
And how did I forget to mention Kylo Quinn? These guys have been a catalyst for the Knicks every year as that second unit and supporting cast. So when I talk to you about Courtney Lee, Kylo Quinn, Frank Nielakina, Jarrett Jack, what pops out? Um, I think mostly, like you said, it's like it's the it's the energy they bring, and usually for other teams, it's like the younger guys that come off the bench and give you a little energy. But for us, it's it's these veterans in terms of Courtney Lee, and I know Kyle Quinn doesn't always start, but sometimes he does. I'm not really too sure on that one. But, um, you know, they all come in, they give us solid minutes, and they all compete defensively very hard. Kyle Quinn has been a plus defender this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, bunch of blocks. He, he's been like the perfect guy to sit under the rim and protect the rim while allowing Porzingis to like kind of free roam and chase down some blocks, which I think helps him out immensely. But just looking at these numbers really quick, um, I want to shout out Courtney Lee for shooting 93% from the free throw line. Love, love to see that. Sounds like love a small thing, right? Like three, a free throw percentage. He's not even a guy who gets there too often. But I remember off the top of my head two times late in games where the Knicks are not typically used to closing out games, right? They're never usually winning games like that. And he goes to the line, you have the utmost confidence. Go on, sorry. No, yeah, I mean – even guys like uh, like Kyle O'Quinn, um, you know, his numbers aren't, like, sparkling. He's averaging six points and and how many rebounds? Like, eight rebounds or six rebounds. So, you know, it's not astounding, but he's doing that in, like, 16 minutes, which is pretty impressive. And like we said, he's just the energy guy. Like, he comes out there. He's hyping everybody up. He's, you know, diving after balls. You need guys like that. It's like uh, – indispensable almost he's also been a leader in bench celebrations i mean he goes nuts when you see kp go for an alley-oop and they cut to the bench celebrating i mean his beard kind of stands out for himself but ko is the first guy you got to see he's having a blast on the sideline it looks like he's enjoying being there and contributing inside of his role he's not trying to be porzingis because he clearly isn't he's not trying to be Cantor because he has a different skill set he can play next to either of those guys and I know before the season started, everyone had high expectations for Na- uh, for Willie Hernan Gomez, right? Everybody loves Willie. I think we still do, but he hasn't been getting minutes. But when you look at Kylo Quinn and Enos Cantor and even Porzingis and occasionally Michael Beasley, who can put the ball in the hoop, it's a little bit more understandable when you hear Jeff Hornacek say he hasn't earned a spot because these guys also have been playing very well. So are you upset about the Willie thing, or are you just pleased – that the guys playing over him look like they deserve it. Yeah, I mean, I am upset. I'm a big Willie guy. I mean, he was first team all rookies, uh, all rookie last year. So you know, like that's a pretty big deal. I think he's a young big who's. He reminds me of Enos Cantor offensively. Honestly, he's got a bunch of moves. He's got a little bit more range too. So you know, he's super talented. I'd love to see him get out there, but I just, I just like to see that the Knicks have like some sort of culture, like. There seems to be accountability for the first time in a long time. And, you know, it's unfortunate that it's against, you know, possibly, I'm not going to say he's a fan favorite, but he's well-liked. But, um, you know, at least there's a culture there. Like, this guy's got to earn his spot. And when he does, you know he's going to keep it because he's talented. Like, I can't wait for Willie to earn it. And when he does, it's going to be fun to watch. And I think if he doesn't get a chance, or like a big chance at least, maybe he'll get a more supplementary role. But if he doesn't get a big chance or a chance to ever start this year, that might just mean the Knicks are playing well, right? Like if there's no change necessary, that means those other guys are doing their job. And no need for Willie is sad because we like Willie, but it's also a, could be a good thing because the guys ahead of him are playing well enough to keep their job. Like you said, there's a culture. These people want to play. And we're going to shout this guy out later uh, to say goodbye, but Mendalgas Kuzminskis is a guy who didn't even get to suit up until – the most recent game of the year where he played two garbage time minutes. I mean, that's a guy who we had playing a lot of minutes last year who, say what you want, could knock down shots, say what you want, gets abused on defense. He was a guy Knicks fans liked and a guy the Knicks played last year. Now he couldn't even suit up. There's more depth than ever. There's guys like Damian Dotson, Willie Hernan Gomez, uh, who we want to see more from. But if they don't get their chances, that means that obviously KP, Hardaway, Neil Aquina are playing and O'Quinn and Cantor. That means Courtney Lee's doing his job. 
That means Michael Beasley's making the most of his opportunities. That means that uh, Jared Jack is able to play NBA basketball and is not injured. So those are good things in the long run as well. Agreed. 100% agreed. So another quick thing on Kylo Quinn before we move on to the next thing. The past five games, he's had four in which he assisted four more times. So that's another little thing that you're talking about. Kylo Quinn is not only you know getting those games with seven or six rebounds or occasionally double-double, He's also passing the ball and making nice cuts to Doug McDermott on the back cut, which he's done fantastically this year. So that's been a lot of fun. But, Frank, I want to talk to you about the men, the myth, the legend. So we spent the first few moments here really praising the guys helping this man, but the team has been riding the back of this man, and that is Kristaps. Goddamn Porzingis. I mean, Frank, he's been outrageous. Just I'm going to give you the floor here. What are you seeing? What do you expect now, night to night? And what do you have to say about the man, KP? All right, so I won't lie. I was a little skeptical at the beginning of the year. You know, double teams, how's he going to handle it? But, like, right now, I, I say it all the time, you, you can't guard a unicorn. It don't matter how many people you put in his way. He's just too tall. If he wants to get a jumper up, like, he's too tall. You won't block it. He'll get it up. And he seems to be, like, one of those guys where – Defense doesn't matter. If he's going to make it, he's going to make it. If he's missing it, he missed it. It's whatever. But right now, he's shooting over 50% from the field. He's shooting over 40% from three, um, which is like, how could you not fall in love with something like that? A seven foot three guy just going out there, you know, spreading the floor and also just playing to his max potential. He looks stronger. He looks more explosive. Like a bunch of things you couldn't expect from a guy like him because he already was a freak, you know, like he's still improving. He's still, you know, becoming a better NBA player. And it's honestly, in my opinion, it's the most fun thing to watch in the NBA. Just night in and night out. This guy goes out there and makes highlights happen. Just a a human highlight reel. And I'll, I'll say this to give you a little bit more props on, on this. Uh, if you don't know who Frank Vellani is somehow, because you're listening to this podcast, Frank is one of the four NBA outsiders. So you might be sitting there saying, all right, this kid is just clearly a Knicks fan saying KP is the most fun in the NBA. We watch a lot of basketball, Frank, I, Duffy, and Bab, uh, which we'll talk about the outsiders maybe a little later at the end. But we're not just saying that because he's a Nick, right? I mean, New York helps the cause. I think New York helps the hype. I heard someone on the radio. I forget who it was. Or it might have been a podcast. It might have been Bill Simmons. He said that you're really feeling the impact of New York right now with how big the Knicks feel and how big KP feels. You're feeling the impact of New York. So maybe it is a little bit of bias. Maybe it's a little bit of Homer mentality. But from the completely unbiased perspective, we listen to these other NBA podcasts. We do a show where we talk about the NBA, not just the Knicks. This dude is one of the main, most electrifying stories in the NBA. And if you dispute that, you're literally a fool. Is that fair? Yeah, literally a fool. Just uninformed. Like, like literally, it's like every single night, it's like he put up 40. He, you know, he catches an alley-oop that, you know, almost hit the roof of the uh, Coliseum. Like, you know, he's just a freak. He just does things that other people can't do, you know? And like you said, he's shooting over 40% from three. He's taking five a game. So he's hitting two three-pointers a game. Uh, He's also finishing alley-oops. And we mentioned before his stats on like a night-to-night. He's had one, two, three, four, five, six 30-point performances already this year. Uh, That doesn't include the 40, so that's seven games over 40 points. And in those other games where he didn't score 30, yeah, he had two in the teens at 12 and 19, but he had another one at 28. I mean, the man's been electric. He's averaging 30 a game. So, Frank, that makes me ask you this question. Right now, he's clearly a candidate for the first month MVP, right? Yes. Where do we have to reach in this season for us to look at his numbers and you can say what you think they may be at this point? Where we say, okay, this man's actually an MVP candidate. I think he has to keep his points per game above 30. Um, he probably has to grab a few more boards a game because I'm looking right now. He's only at 7.3. So I'd like to see at least a double-double. Um, and if he can keep his blocks up like around 2.5 and, and, you know, he keeps his plus-minus up and the Knicks – if the Knicks end up above 500 and are, you know, a playoff team, then I say – but, like, 
that's still a long way off in my opinion, but like, man, look what he can do right now. He's only, how old is he? Is he 22 yet? I think he's 22. So he's 22 and he's averaging 30 game, 30 points a game through through his first 11 this season as, you know, the main option, the main guy. And, and it's not like it snuck up on people. Everybody know, knew that he's going to be the guy we double team on the Knicks. And he's still there. He's still Porzingis that we know and love. And, you know, that's super encouraging. What do you take out of his recent post-game press conferences where he's clearly, you know, playing to the crowd, answering the questions in like a funny, trying to be, I don't know, I don't want to say trying to be cool, but he, he, clearly he has a, a thought out there. Like when he says about the New York mentality, the New York grit, that was a direct quote of what he said in the post game where I think Rebecca Harlow asked him, say, do you think you can ever not come back? Do these Knicks think they are ever down and out? And all he said was no and smirked to the crowd. What do you make of KP uh, being a little self-aware out there with the media? Uh, I love it. Like he's trying to, I don't think he's trying to be cool. He just, he just is cool, bro. Like, Yeah, I remember, like, one of the first things I read about him after he got drafted, he, like, met Carmelo and he met Lala, and there was a quote from Lala, like, oh, he dresses so nice and he's and he's funny, and I was like, he's got it. He's just, he's the well-rounded guy. He has got everything. And it's just showing more and more now that he's got the spotlight, and, and I love it. Uh, I follow him on Instagram. I don't know if you follow him on Instagram, but, like, Every once in a while, he'll post like a, a story of him doing something. Uh, one time, he posted a story of himself just with like a bunch of tattoos like all over his arms. He's like, "What do y'all think?" And it was like one of those yes or no panels. And then he also took one the other day with like an old school New York paperboy hat. I know you know what I'm talking about when I say that. <laughs> of course. Yeah, and uh, he just like embraces it. Like I feel like that's a thing for foreign players. Like New York is the place that they want to play. Like. He's living the dream. He's he's the main guy in New York City. Look at look at New York sports around him. The only person I'd say that can possibly compare over this past year is maybe Aaron Judge's meteoric rise to like MVP candidate as a as a rookie. But besides that, Kristaps Porzingis is New York sports right now. That is a great quote. That quote will be most likely pulled out in a tweet and tweeted with this episode attached. It'll say, Kristaps Porzingis is New York sports right now. It's very Zoolander-ish. I like it. <laughs> I honestly mean it too, man. He really is. He just embodies He embodies what it should be about, man. Having fun and playing hard. And he's the best at it. For the Knicks, at least. All right, so the Knicks are 7-5. and five. They're 7-4 and four with Porzingis. They did lose the one game he sat. Uh, by the way, I mostly believe the elbow contusion and sprained ankle were ailments that he was dealing with but something that say the game was super important he could have played the rest was also necessary for him because he's been getting usage in the nba right now he's up there amongst the usage leaders in the league but clearly he's making it worth his while so next year seven and five but i want to bring up now on the sports blog new york podcast peter kennedy and frank villani here i want to bring up what lebron james said about another rookie whose name is not frank nilakina so in a I think it was a pregame. I'm not even sure if it was a pregame or a postgame press conference. Pretty sure it was a pregame where LeBron James was asked about Dennis Smith Jr. as a rookie who he was facing up against. And basically LeBron said, I'm not directly quoting this, but basically he said that he's been with Dennis for a while. He's known him, known his game. He thinks he's a huge steal of the draft and this and that. And he also specifically said that the Knicks missed out on Dennis Smith Jr. I mean, my man's going up against the Mavs, not playing against the Knicks, asked about Dennis Smith Jr., and calls out the Knicks for not drafting this man. So on one hand, why are you talking about another team? Second hand, why are you throwing shade at Frank and Neil Aquina, who was a key part in the Knicks beating your Cleveland Cavaliers earlier this year? Clearly the Cavs are better. But, Frank, you saw this. We had it shared in our NBA Outsiders group chat. What do you think? What do you think about Braun throwing a slight shade at Frank and hyping up Dennis Smith? Uh... F LeBron, bro. F him. <laughs> not even, I'm not even kidding right now. F LeBron. I'm sick of this nonsense. He thinks he knows what everybody should do. He's the crown prince, so, you know, whatever he says goes. Get the hell out of here, LeBron. You don't know what's going on in New York. And honestly, frankly, 
I don't want you to concern yourself with it. Keep New York out of your mouth, LeBron James. That's, that's how I'm going to preface this. Second, I'm going to say, uh, yeah, I think Dennis Smith's a great rookie. Uh, good for the Mavericks. They probably did get him a little low at nine. But at the same time, I don't think the Knicks made a mistake drafting Frankie Nilakina instead of him because we're building for the future. And to me, Frank Nilakina kind of embodies that, you know, whether that's good or bad, that he's not ready for, you know, to be a starting point guard right now. Um, that's for you to decide, I guess. But, like, I, I truly believe this team is in a transitional period. We're not in a period where we should be you know, looking to chase championships because it's not going to happen within the next three years. I truly believe that. So, you know, you get a guy who's super young, who's big for his position and has, you know, some pretty cool skills and you can develop him alongside your seven foot three unicorn. Um, Dennis Smith Jr. seems more of a shot first point guard. And I'm not really sure that's what the Knicks needed. And, you know, not to throw too much shade, I like Dennis Smith Jr., but um, he also has injury concerns, man. He tore his ACL his senior year of high school, so, you know, that, that can't be good. He looks like he plays like Derrick Rose right now, yeah, but, you know, how long did Derrick Rose last? Yeah, man, I, I feel you. Dennis Smith has these tools where you look at him and say, wow, that is a man who can be an explosive scorer, like absolute explosive scorer from all levels, right? He can shoot tough threes. He can dunk on someone's head. He can do the fancy finishes. Right now, Frank Nilakina can't really shoot contested step-back threes. He can't dunk on people's heads consistently, if at all, if he's even tried that yet. He hasn't shown the ability to go up and under in midair and put a lefty spinner off the glass. Like, he hasn't done these things yet, right? Dennis Smith has done some of these things already. So it is really easy to look at Dennis Smith and go, that dude is skilled, talented, going to be legit for years. Because I think those words are all true, right? There's no need that they both can't be good. But what you said I think was perfect is it is actually a situational fit. And watching the Knicks over the first couple weeks here, it looks like Frank is absolutely buying into New York and has the like the attitude where he's putting the good type of pressure on himself. He wants to grow up right now, even though he's not there yet, but he's not going to get down when he doesn't perform to where he wants to. And I'm not saying Dennis Smith would, but just embodying the Knicks and embodying New York right now, I think Frank is taking all of the blows in stride. He's showing he can shoot the ball. He's shooting off the dribble from mid-range well. He shoots open threes at a decent clip right now. Hit some big ones in some games already. And the number one thing is defense. Frank Nielakina showed that he can be a plus defender right now, even though he gets into foul trouble occasionally. He can do it right now. He gives people fits. And in the future, assuming he'd get a little better defensively, get better on offense, a man who can shut down point guard, which is one of the most skilled positions in the league, seems just about as important as a point guard who can fill up 25 every night. So I'll take my, I'll take my Frank Nielakina. I'm not like selling stock on Dennis Smith. I think he's great. But for the Knicks, with someone like KP already there, that's a man who supplements KP, makes his life a little easier. Whereas which maybe KP and Dennis Smith might just uh, take turns if they're on the same team. It'd be a way more interesting fit. And Frank's style seems to fl- flow very smoothly with how Jeff Hornacek wants to run stuff and how this team has been finding success so far this year. Yeah, um, somebody tweeted at us or possibly at you it was like a little NBA outsiders thing about um Malik Monk and how the Knicks didn't need another undersized shooter slash scorer type and I read that and I, I couldn't agree more with whoever said that um just like more so than anything we needed somebody who's you know like you said engaged defensively at the very least he seems like he wants to be a good defender in the NBA. And like you said, he's shown some streaks that he probably can be. Um, he's super long, so he's always going to have a size advantage in his matchups, which is going to help him out. Um, but the other thing, like like I said before, Dennis Smith seems to be a shot-first guy, where Nilakina is not a shot-first guy. And when you have you know, your number one offensive option in Chris Porzingis, I don't think you really want a point guard who's going to dominate too much possession of the ball unless he's going to be dominating that possession to feed the big men or, you know, feed the guys who score. So I just think he, like you said, he fits the system. He fits the culture. It, it's just the right move for the Knicks. 
and LeBron James doesn't know what he's talking about. Maybe he should get to 500 before he talks about other teams. <laughs> I think LeBron James has finally made it back to 500. Oh, uh, no, yes. You're right. He's 6-7 and seven at the moment. You were correct. So, all right, LeBron, when you hit 500, come try to throw shade at the New York Knicks, and maybe we'll, uh, we'll listen to what you have to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about it. I'm not. And there's no reason to, and like we both said, this is no slight at Dennis Smith, but if you're going to come at our mans like that, you're going to come at our guy Frankie Nicotine, like, that's not that's not cool here. That's not cool on the Sports Blog New York podcast. This man has done nothing but compete, nothing but work on uh, looking like every part of his game. He's confident to shoot the ball on occasions. It looks like he has traits that are sincerely rare in the NBA. Uh, the abilities on the events, stretch the floor, and he, he makes some no-look passes sometimes, Frank. I don't know if you've seen him. Some of his no-lookers are super smooth. You don't see him coming. Bounce, he loves to bounce pass. And that alley-oop from Nilakina to KP last the other night against Sacramento was ah. absolutely electric. I mean, more of these plays are coming. Uh, what's your reaction last night, by the way, when you saw that alley-oop? I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't believe he ca- caught it. He catches balls that I'm like, oh, dude. Like, what are you doing? And he just catches him and still slams him. But that pick and roll, ooh, boy, that's going to be a dangerous combination. That pick and roll and then that pick and pop, ooh, give it two years. That's going to be deadly, boy. I can't wait. I can't wait. And how about this? I'll, I'll give the rare uh, shout-out to Bleacher Report. I know people in our age, like in between, in between like, older people and people in, say, high school, we have an interesting relationship with Bleacher Report now, right? I feel like people kind of get tired of their emoji use, but... Shout out to them for making those Rick and Morty, uh, Nick's Christoph Porzingis Instagram videos where he goes in through the portal and then comes out and slams an alley-oop. Super fun. They also know that basketball fans love Rick and Morty. <laughs> They're perfect because, you know, he's not from this earth. He's from a different dimension. Legit. So. There was an alternate timeline where Rick found the Latvian gang banner. Chris Paz Porzingis trained him <laughs> to be a basketball player, brought him back and makes millions off him, like in gambling. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. All right, so this is Frank Villani and Pete Kennedy. We have one more thing to talk about. One last thing about the Knicks that we got to break down real quick. And, Frank, I'm happy to have you over all the outsiders, obviously, uh, Duffy and Bab. They're not Knicks guys like we are. That's why this is Sports Blog New York Podcast, NBA Outsiders episode coming later in the week. But we're here to talk Knicks. And there's a little move, a little shakeup in the Knicks roster right now. So we mentioned Mindagas Kuzminskis. Uh, and the Knicks waving him, so he's no longer part of the team, which is quite sad. Really did feel bad that he didn't get a chance this year, but as we, as the saying goes, it's a business. It happened. Uh, he wrote a really heartfelt Instagram post. I don't know if you follow him. But, I did. Yeah, so. so a little tough to, to to read as a Knicks fan who wanted Kuz to be good and rooted for him last year, but his tenure is over for now in New York. Sad to see him go. Maybe he'll get a chance to come back, maybe not, but like we said, it's a business. So that leaves us with Joe Kim Noah. Now, Frank, I'll give you the floor. Joe Kim Noah's coming back. We actually talked about Joe Kim Noah in a little Knicks preseason podcast. But give the people maybe not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear on Joe Kim Noah. Okay. First of all, like, you know, rip in peace, Kuz, I'm going to miss you. It's really fun to yell your name when you hit three-pointers. Um, and, you know, like you said, Chris Epps was the Latvian gangbanger. That was our Lithuanian gangbanger. <laughs> it's good to have a bunch of those kind of guys. <laughs> but, um, uh, man, let's talk about my man Joe Kim Noah for a second. I was a huge fan of Joe Kim Noah's when he's back in Chicago. Um, you know, it sucks that we pay him so much and he hasn't really been able to perform for us on the floor or really even be out there on the floor. But I still think he's got a good game. You know, he's got to get back to the level he used to be, obviously. I don't think he's been there physically for the past two seasons. I think he's been, you know, dealing with injuries and really for the first time in his career. So if we can get back a Joe Kim Noah to, you know, where like he's 75% of the player he used to be, he's going to give us a defensive anchor, uh, a great passing big man, you know, somebody who will play well off of Porzingis because he doesn't need the ball in his hands, and when he does get the ball in his hands, he doesn't look to shoot it. So, you know, his veteran presence, like I said earlier in the in the pod, you know, Enos Cantor has already come out and said that he's been, like, a really good role model for him, Joe Kim, because he's helping him out so much defensively, 
just like you know positioning and instincts wise like telling him what to expect and what to do and you know that's almost immeasurable for a guy um i think he could have done that without minutes which is you know kind of hard for me and us losing coups but at the same time like i said if he can come back and finally play like a healthy joe kim noah he might be a good person to have in the rotation because he does a lot of things that you know we don't have right now necessarily i mean i guess you can never run out of defense and passing right and those are two things that he does i think the most important thing that you said is that he might be able to do this role from the bench and i think a good thing about that is he's going to be on the bench he's not going to be the starter and if he is that is a real problem i have Pretty strong confidence. I don't know if there's been word on it yet or not that he won't start, and I don't think he's going to get a lot of minutes, and I think that's the best-case scenario. Joe Kim Noah's best-suited role on the Knicks might be 12 minutes a night, high energy, a few – like one assist, one <laughs> layup, and like two rebounds and a block. Like that might be – And four fouls. Right, and legit, and four fouls. That might be peak Joe Kim Noah this year. So what I ask of Knicks fans – is just forget that we pay him whatever eighteen million dollars right now. It sucks, like you said in the open of that of that segment. It stinks. It hurts that that much is in our cap, but we're not going to do anything about it. We're going to take advantage of our advantages. One of our advantages might be this man knows what to do on defense. Like you said, Enos Cantor has outspokenly said, "Joe Kim's helping me." Right. So those are good things. I want to read you a little quote quoted by the man Ian Begley, one of the best Knicks reporters out there. He said from Joe Kim Noah, quote, whatever my role is, I'll accept it. We're all in this together, and whoever's out there fighting, we're going to support them. End quote. So that's what we talked about with Courtney Lee and Kylo Quinn being uh, one of the biggest cheerleaders for the Knicks when he's on the bench. Joe Kim Noah seems to be bought in. He seems to understand how he's disappointed people. Joe Kim Noah isn't dumb. He knows he is getting paid too much for what he's performed. And I think he sincerely... Wants to bring to the table whatever the hell he can bring to the table. And that might be 12 minutes a game, one point because he missed a free throw, two rebounds, a block, and one assist. I don't know. It could be positive. I don't know where the minutes are going to come, and that's where I want to leave you off, Frank, and react to what I just said. Where do we find the minutes for him if Willie can't even get minutes? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough without a doubt. But, I mean, like you said, uh, Ron Baker, didn't Ron Baker just get uh, demoted? Yes, he played for the G League the other night. So, you know, he was getting 15 minutes a game. Dotson's, is he two-way as well, Dotson? Uh, he is two-way, but he's been bouncing back and forth. He played against the Kings at the end of the game. Yeah, so he's averaging like eight minutes a game. So right there, that seemed to me like when I saw that news that they were moving down Baker and Dotson, that's where the minutes are going to come for, for for Joe Kim. Um but like you said, I'm not sure how rotationally it necessarily fits. Maybe he plays maybe he plays a four with Kyle O'Quinn. Maybe he plays a four with Chris Stapps. Maybe he's not a five anymore. Who knows? We'll see. Maybe it's a it's maybe it's matchup dependent, but I'm I'm really not sure on that one. So I need to shout out two guys on Twitter. One is a guy who interacts a lot out here. His name is at underscore treble twenty one. That's actually my friend Albert. Have him sit on the bench, he says. Have him sit on the bench in a suit. And mentor guys like WHJ, a.k.a. Willie Hernan Gomez, until we stretch his provision ass. <laughs> or stretch his provision ass, I should say. Uh, so he doesn't want him to play. And I understand that. And another person said, never wanted him in the first place. So he didn't want him to play. Another guy said, uh, his name is Andrew Wells, appreciated his comment. He said, he's not a big Nick follower, but it's hard to be mad at a statement like that, even if he sucked. So I think when it comes down to it, Joe Kim Noah is self-aware. He's not dumb. He knows he's been underperforming by far. And he's going to do what it takes to help this team. And he's always been a guy, Frank, tell me if I'm wrong, that you saw play basketball. Be like, wow, that's the passion you want out of a coach. Right? He's just got like that. He's got a passion for the game and he's got good character. Like, you know, he defends his players. He's, he's the biggest cheerleader when he's out there. Uh, You know, there's, there's like a clip of him back in the day, like, when LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh first teamed up, and LeBron is yelling at Chris Bosh, and, you know, it's going bad for them, and Joe Kim Noah is right behind them, and he's clapping it up, 
and he's just adding fuel to the fire. You know, he's just that kind of guy. He he gets under people's skin, um, and I think his wisdom, like you like you like these tweets you're talking about, he shouldn't play, he should sit. I think that that aspect of him will shine regardless of whether he's on the court or not. His wisdom is going to translate to our bigs, and we're going to see defensive improvement from them. I mean, we could only hope. And just to leave a last thought off, because we're going to end up this podcast with Pete Kennedy and Frank Vellani very, very soon. But we talked about this earlier with Jeff Hornacek, Steve Mills, both outwardly saying you need to earn your minutes. I'm going to go. I don't think it's too far of a limb. I think it's actually a pretty safe place to be standing here when it comes to uh, my take. I think he's going to catch a few DMPs early on. He's not going to play every game. He needs to show something. I think he'll get some chances here and there where Jeff will slide him in. And if he's not performing, I don't believe he's going to get minutes. I have a faith in Hornacek, Mills, and Perry to that they said you need to earn minutes. You have to earn minutes. So unless Joe Kim shows that he's bringing something to defense or is really moving the ball well and helping with ball movement and rebounding, unless he's showing that, I can see Jeff keeping him on the bench all game long and him catching a few, a, a few, maybe a bunch of DNPs sitting next to Willie Hernan Gomez. Maybe they'll be next to each other late in games. It'll be interesting to see. Frank, do you think his first game suited up, he gets on the court? Uh, yeah, I'd say he probably gets out there at least just to, like, you know, uh, get the motor going. But if anything, it's probably, you know, garbage minutes, garbage time. I don't think it's anything, you know, legitimate. If anything, it's like the time that Willie gets. Right. Like, oh, Willie's in now? Cool. We're down by 25. All right, man. That's interesting stuff. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, we're going to have an NBA Outsiders podcast with you, I, John Lucas, Duffy, and Justin Babb coming later in the week. Frank, I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here. Do it. Just a little bit. But give me an elevator pitch on why somebody who listens to the Sports Blog New York podcast, who may be listening right now, but skips over the NBA Outsiders, should give us a chance. Um... Because we talk a lot of basketball, first of all, not just New York Knicks, not just New York sports. We get into everything, uh, and we really try to, you know, like avoid those mainstream things that you can't avoid, almost so to say. Like we do, we do our piece on the Warriors and the Cavaliers, but we don't harp on it. We like to, we like to go with the most interesting story, maybe not necessarily the most, you know, popular story, which you know, it's good to get a little mix up. Come through. Come through. I thought you were going to shout out uh, your you and Duff and how you guys always disagree on stuff. You know, surprisingly, I feel like you guys happen to disagree off-air more, which is rare. I feel like you guys should be chomping at the bit to disagree on-air. And then we get to an episode, and it ends up being like me and, me and Bab against you two. I don't know how it happens. Yeah, I mean, it's because he's a beta, and I'm an <laughs> alpha. So, like, whatever I say, he's like, yeah, that's actually kind of right. So I'm going to go with that. Only in the group chat he talks crap? Yeah, only in the group chat. Only when people aren't there to, you know, hop on my train and be like, no, Duff, you're dumb. He just doesn't <laughs> want that on the wide scale, so, you know, he comes over to the good side. And now we'll really test if he is a supporter of the SBNY podcast, because we're not going to tell him that we said this. And if he listened, he listened. If not, that's on him. Yeah. I'll, we'll see if we get a text message like, fuck you, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, thank you for coming in. This is the Sports Blog New York Podcast. Everyone, please go to Sports Blog New York Podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all that good stuff. Subscribe, and more importantly, rate and review. Tell us what you think. What do you want to hear more of? What do you want to hear less of? What is your take on everything that we talk about? We want to engage with you. We appreciate every listener. Frank, any last words? Uh, let's go Knicks. Chris Apps is a unicorn. You can't guard unicorns. Shout out, Knicks. This is the SBNY Podcast. Frank Vellani and Peter Kennedy signing off. Have a good one.